0: We are going to be reading in Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter seven showed us that without the Spirit, there is no way we can overcome sin in our lives. Chapter eight shows us that we, when we have the Holy Spirit working and moving, we don't have to. Uh, uh, um, uh, when we have the Holy Spirit working, there is the ability to overcome sin. Now. Again, this is a very theological book, deep, deep theology in this book of Romans. But, uh, I'll tell you, a, a man, a man can know all about the digestive system, all about the digestion that begins in the mouth and the saliva and, and what happens when, when it goes in his stomach and how the pH will drop dramatically and you get enzymatic degradation of, of the proteins. And then how it goes through a duodenum where you go from a low pH to to a high pH uh, over a short distance and what happens in the small intestines and the large intestines and know about the Krebs cycle and ATP and everything. But if that man doesn't eat, he's going to die. You can know a lot about food and digestion, but if you don't eat, you're going to die. You take another man that knows nothing about the process of digestion, but he eats He lives and he's strong. We can know a lot about theology, but unless we learn how to apply this in our lives, it has very little effect, very little effect. And what I want to do through all of these studies is to bring all of this theology back down to, okay, now what do I do? What do I do with this? So chapter 8 is this chapter that reveals to us how sin is overcome. Uh, if you listen to the, the, the message that I gave on the 15th of August, I talked about my struggles in relation to what we were going over in Romans chapter 7, and I've even put that on my internet channel on D.R. James Tour. I even just took that, that, uh, that Zoom video and just put it up there. So that one teaching from the book of Romans. But now in chapter 8, we see what happens with the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll overlap where we, some that we read last time, but let's start reading at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for an offering... For sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, um, he starts out in in chapter 8 that he views us, God views us in this substitutionary place. We are viewed in a new place because of Jesus Christ. He views us differently if we are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about how we've been set free from this law of sin and death by this law of the spirit of life, he calls it. And then he says what the law could not do. Now remember, the law of the Lord was perfect. The Bible tells us that the Mosaic law was perfect but we were unable to follow it, not because there was anything wrong with the law, but because the flesh was unable to do it. It was the problem is with us and not with the law itself. The law is perfect. Verse 4, So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there is the ability to walk according to the flesh or to walk according to the spirit. If the spirit of God is in you, That is, that is a new nature that has come upon you. There are two natures. There is the old nature and the new nature. Once the Spirit of God has come upon us, we can make a decision to walk according to the Spirit of God, or we can walk according to the old nature. We don't come back under the old nature, but we can walk according to it. And verse five, it says, it says, uh, uh, now, now, let me, let me mention something. If I'm teaching organic chemistry, if I mention something, you know, you never know, it might be on the exam. If I say it twice, back to back, most people get it. Most people know I'm giving them a hint. That's probably gonna be on the exam. If I say it three times, you'd be crazy not to learn that. If I say it four times, people are like, if you didn't get that, you deserve to fail. I mean, they'd be like four times, you, 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 you know, that was so obvious what he was doing. In three verses, Paul is going to say something four times and imply it a fifth time. In three verses. Where the battle is and how the battle is won over sin. Now, this is a huge thing. This is a huge thing. Remember, we're not just talking... Theology now. We are talking about the ability to overcome the sins that so easily entangle us. How do you do it? You know, you can read through this book of Romans and there's all this theology. Well, that's cool. All right. But, but what do I do? What do I do? He says in verse five, for those who are according to the flesh, Set their minds, their minds, their minds, their minds. The battle is right here in the mind. Four times in three verses, this is on the exam. Alright? For sure. If you don't get it now, you deserve to fail. Four times, the battle is in the mind. The mind, and in fact, for those of you that don't know... The mind is different than the brain. The mind goes beyond just the physical organ of the brain. The mind is is and 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 you say, "Well, do scientists really believe this?" There's a huge, huge discussions and whole meetings on this. In fact, I was just invited to another meeting on this about how the mind goes beyond the physical brain. About and and uh, and and this this actually extends into what Jesus is, is is so much of the other things that he's talked about but we can't go there right now for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit the things of their spirit so here in this one verse he uses sets their mind their minds in the end of verse 5 the mind is implied because he said they set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. It could just as well have read, uh, uh, who are according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So where do we set our mind? Do we set our mind on the things of the flesh or on the things of the Spirit? The battle is in the mind. Is it in the flesh is it on the flesh or it is on the things of the Spirit? Then he goes on. Verse 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. You think he's trying to give us a hint here? Then verse 7. Because the mind... "...set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God." The battle, brothers and sisters, is in the mind. That's where it is. And he says, if you set your minds on the things of the flesh, you're going to go according to the flesh. And if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit... You're going to walk according to the Spirit. He said this, the, the, the mindset on the flesh is death. What's going to happen is, if you dwell on these things, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to have an affair today. You know, It just popped into my mind. I think I'll just destroy my family today by going out and having an affair. Nobody does that. This is preceded by a battle in the mind. This is preceded by many things that happen that are going on in the mind. And then if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, it's very different. It's very different what happens. I want you to turn to Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start reading from verse 2, the book of Colossians. Colossians. You got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You're looking Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your mind on the things of above and not on the things of earth. He says, you set your mind on the things of above and not on the things of this earth. This battle is in the mind. You set your mind. You want victory over sin? Here it is. You set your mind on the things of God and not on the things of the flesh. If in your mind you're pursuing that which is not good, that which is lustful, and remember, lust is taking that which is not mine for my own gain. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to end up there. And it's going to bring, the Bible tells us in, in, in Romans, it goes to death. For the mindset on the flesh is death. Romans 8, 6. The mind set on the flesh is death. Colossians 2, 3, verse 2 said, Set your mind on the things of, above and not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Why will the wrath of God come upon men and women? This is right there, because of these things. Because of immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed. Which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you have, you also put all, put them all aside. Now look what he says to put aside. This is in Colossians chapter 3 verse, verse 8. Put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Since you've laid this aside. So he's saying you're going to lay these things aside. You're going to set your mind on the things that are good. You're not even going to dwell on these other things. I want you to look at another verse. Another verse here. Powerful verse for us. Uh, Let's look at at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading at verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, you're not to be anxious, you're to bring your your prayers to God with thanksgiving. You want to have control of the mind? You have to have a prayer life. You have to have a prayer life. Verse 7, the result of that is going to be, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're going to go from death to peace of God and life. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, there's nothing like it, will guard your hearts and your minds. You learn to have a prayer life. Verse 8, finally, brethren, this is what you do with the mind. This is the active step. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. What does that mean? That means you set your mind to thinking about these good things over and over again. If we think about evil... It's gonna bring us to the path of death. You want to, this is not Jim Tour speaking. This is what the Bible teaches us. Remember, I urge you, do not lower the Word of God to your own experiences. Don't lower the Word of God to your own experiences. God has something much better for us. And He says, this is what He says, whatever is true, whatever is, this is in, in, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. That means whatever has a good reputation. If there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. This is how you overcome sin. We dwell on that which is good. If you keep thinking about the lustful things, it will pull you in that direction. Remember what I told you, it's very hard to stop thinking about something. Alright, very hard to stop thinking about something. Take a thought and say, I will not think about that. I will not, I will not, I will not. Impossible. You'll think about it all the more. So what he says is, you, you, you supersede that with using your mind to think about a topic that is good. So that when my heart starts feeling anger towards somebody, I need to start thinking about Jesus and the love of God. I need to start thinking about that which is good. I think about how much my granddaughter loves me. And it just starts bringing me into this, this happy state of mind. You don't have to fight the thinking of the bad. You supplant it with the thinking of the good. He says, you let your mind dwell on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything excellent, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Think about what Jesus is like. Take a passage where Jesus does something in the Bible and just start thinking about that. Think about what was going through his mind? What was going through the disciples' minds when they saw that? This is how you deal with it. This is what he says. You supplant it with something that is good. It's very hard to take away that evil thought. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like the, this, this, this law, when, when King Ahasuerus made a law, he couldn't revoke it. He told, Esther, he told Esther, he says, I can't revoke that law that was given to the Jews. You can't revoke that law. But what I can do is I can give another law that's going to supersede that one. So in other words, the people were given the right to attack the Jewish people in Persia. But then there was another law that was given that says, and the Jews have the right to defend themselves. ...and to defend themselves against their enemies. It was superseded with another law. There was a law given in the Old Testament. It was it was a perfect law. It was a good law. But then he superseded it with a better law. The law of the spirit of life. It's not like he took it away. He fulfilled it and he superseded it. Here he supersedes it with something. And this is what changes it. The whole mind changes... And, and, uh, um, and this is what he's talking about. I want to, want to, to, to give you just a sense of this. How do I do this? How do I do this? Sometimes I can, I can be just like anybody else. I can wake up in the morning frustrated, angry. You know, I can just wake up angry and, 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 uh, thinking about something and it just makes me more and more upset thinking about some, some incident at work or something that's going on. And I'll take a passage And I start to make that a part of my life. And I go into my prayer time in the morning and I'll take that passage and I just start reading it really slowly. No speed reading. I'll read the same verse over and over again. That's what's called meditation. And then I'll read the next verse and I'll just think about this th- these things. And then all of a sudden, God starts speaking volumes through that verse that I never saw before. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. If you turn to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18, we're going to start reading at verse 28. I want to give you an example of how I do this. Because I have found when I speak about myself and the struggles that I go through, people are blessed because they see that, hey, he has the same struggles I do. When I speak about the ways that I can overcome these struggles, people are blessed because they say, okay, this is how you do it. Paul told us four times and implied it a fifth time in three verses, it's in the mind. You get a hold of this thing in the mind and you're going to succeed. If you look in Psalm chapter 18, verse 28, For you light my lamp. The Lord God illumines my darkness. For you light my lamp. The Lord my God illumines my darkness. For you light my lamp. Lord light my lamp this morning. The Lord my God. It's not just the Lord God. It's the Lord my God. Lord you are for me. You are for me. The Lord my God. Illumines my darkness. This is another Bible verse that says the darkness and the light are the same to Him. I look to this verse all the time when I'm presented with data in my career that I don't know how to solve. I don't know what this means. The data is there before me. What does this mean? I said, Lord, illumine my darkness. I don't see this. Light and darkness are the same to you, Lord. illumine my darkness. The Lord, my God, illumines my darkness. I have all this darkness in my mind this morning. I'm just upset and angry. Lord, illumine my darkness. Then to go on to the next verse. For by you, I can run upon a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. For by you, I can run upon a troop. Nobody's standing in my way now. (laughs) By you, I can run upon a troop... By you, I can leap over a wall. David was living, at this time in his life, he was being chased by King Saul. And he was overcoming and beating the Philistines and winning and and everywhere he turned, he could leap over walls. And you know what I do? I say, Lord, I'm not a soldier right now. I'm just a chemist. (laughs) I need some help. For by you I can run upon a troop. And by my God I can leap over a wall. Lord, do something supernatural with me. Do something supernatural with me. And this, I, I'm just feeding my spirit. I'm getting a hold of my mind. I have all this anger and all this frustration and all this malice tearing at my mind. And I just start feeding my mind. For by you I can run upon a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. And poof, my chest goes out and I start feeling really empowered. Just like that. Just in my prayer time. Just, just stay out of my way. I mean, just... And it says, verse 30, As for God, His way is blameless. God, in every way you are good. I'm not blaming you for any of this trouble in my life. You didn't do anything here. If there's any mess in my life, it's because of me. It's not because of you. As for God, His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. The word of the Lord is tried. I mean, I am looking at a word. I am looking at the Bible. This word is tried. It has been tried over and over and over again in the lives of men and women throughout history. And they have fed themselves upon this word. And I have the very same word to feed myself upon. This is not some fly-by-night psychiatrist that's written a book in two weeks and that some am locking my mind in on this, that this is, you know, the new you or something. This isn't a bunch of psychological hocus-pocus. The Word of God is tried. The Word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. Lord, I take refuge in You. You are my shield. I am just feeding my mind, I am feeding my spirit. Just like this in the morning, just being fed on this and already these, this anger, this malice, this frustration, this feeling like how will I ever get done everything that I ever need to get done today. I mean, I would need a week to get done what I'm supposed to get done just this morning. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. Students have that feeling all the time. You know, because, I mean, the, the you know, classes, it's like, how am I ever going to know this stuff? So you know what I mean. And and there's no catching up as a student, you feel. It's, it's, it, you can never catch up. And and uh, it says, it says uh, um, He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Who is God but the Lord? I mean, He is my Lord. This is Jesus who gave Himself for me. Verse 32 of Psalm 18. The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. Wow, that's exactly what He does. He girds me with strength. He forgives my sins. There's this transferal of my sin upon Jesus. There's this transferal of His sonship upon me. He makes my way blameless. God girds me with strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet. And he sets me upon my high places. He makes my feet like hinds feet. I mean, this is this is like... Think of how fast a gazelle can run. I mean... If you've ever gone hunting and you see a deer, you try to get the gun up and the deer is just gone. This is gone. He makes my feet like hinds feet. And He sets me upon my high places. God is going to bring me up. I mean, I go in there. I go into my office in the morning just with this sense that God is going to do wonderful things through me and through my group today. We are going to figure something out. We're going to discover something. You say, well, that's really unique. I'm not a scientist. Well, what do you do? What is it you do? Can God not bring you up to a high place in that If you will just but believe Him. How do you walk in faith and believe Him in this? You take His word and you make it your meditation. The battle is in the mind. In the mind. Verse 34, He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Look at what he's doing with this this young military guy. He says, I can bend a bow of bronze. He trains my hands for battle. Lord, you can make me excel in what you have for me more than anyone else. You can do this for me. You can do marvelous things through me. I mean, people look at Jim Tour and they think, Wow, he must have this amazing IQ. I don't. Oh, he must have been really, really smart. No, I never was. I never was. I didn't start excelling really until high school. And that's only because I learned how to study, finally, I would just, I I was 16, I got a car and I started driving to the library and I'd sit down with these books and just, and I just put in more time than anybody else. And then in college, I just put in more time than anybody else. And I worked really hard and God showed me these things. It's not inherent within me. I'm telling you, God takes the lowly. God says, I've chosen the foolish things of the world, the base things of the world, and the despised, I have chosen the things that are not that I might nullify the things that are. I've chosen the base things of the world. That's who He's chosen. And He brings us up. That's what He does. This is God's business. He does this all the time. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 I was quoting from. Now in, in Psalm 18 verse Verse uh, 35, You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. And you know what I do? In my mind, I envision me, myself, in the palm of God's hand, and He's upholding me. It's what I do with my mind. Because the battle is in the mind. I am training my mind for battle. I am training my mind that God is upholding me in His hand. I'm telling you, I come out like a roaring lion out of this prayer time where I went in like this this weak sissy and I come out like a roaring lion because I've envisioned myself being upheld by the hand of God. And it says, And your gentleness makes me great. Your gentleness makes me great. God is so gentle, so kind, so merciful. Your gentleness makes me great. What a deal. God's going to make me great by His gentleness. You enlarge my steps under me. I come walking out of that time and I just take big steps. You enlarge my steps under me. And my feet have not slipped. You take your mind and you meditate on the Word of God, and God will fill you. God will fill you. You know, when, when I was a student, there is a verse, there is a passage that, that I grabbed hold of when I was 19 years old. And this passage has lived with me. This passage is my dear friend. This passage has upheld me. It is a very simple passage. Isaiah 41, verse 10. One verse. I mean, you guys, with your young minds, your neurons are firing so fast, you could memorize this in five minutes. In five minutes, you could memorize this. And I have put my mind on this, and this has upheld me so many times. Isaiah 41, 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That one verse. I have called upon God and His strength through this one verse. And I have trained my mind on this one verse. Do not fear. Do not fear. I mean, that has been the story of my life. Where I have called upon God... And he says to me, do not fear. That is not a suggestion. That is a command. Do not fear. What part of that sounds like a suggestion to you? That is an imperative, not an indicative. Do not fear. For I am with you. Lord, I'm not going to fear because you are with me. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. This is this is what I do so many times. So much comes in on me, and I'm like, I, 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 I got to do this. No, no, I, I, I got to do this. God said, do not anxiously look about you. I'm your God. You just focus right in on me. I am your God. I will strengthen you. You see that? That is a promise. When God makes a promise, it has to happen. I will strengthen you. Oh, how I love God's shalls and wills. I will strengthen you. When God says, I will do it, it cannot not happen. It has to happen. I will strengthen you. And I know that when I meditate on that verse, he says, I will strengthen you. It has to happen. It's not because Jim Tour has psyched himself up into this. No, it is because God has said it, so it has to happen. I will strengthen you. Surely, for sure, I will help you. I will help you. There it is again. I will. God says he will. I will help you. Surely, for sure, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, and there I am again. In my mind, I am in God's hand, and He is upholding me. That one verse, that one verse has strengthened me over and over again. That one verse. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, the battle is in the mind. You don't think on the things that are negative. You don't try to push them out of your mind. You can't. You supersede them with meditation on the things that are good, righteous, holy, worthy of praise, anything honorable. You put your mind on those things and you dwell on those things. I have taken this verse, Isaiah 41.10, I have walked all over campuses when I was an undergraduate, when I was a graduate student, when I was a postdoc, when I was an assistant professor, when I was going through my professorial career, to this day, I will take this verse and I will walk around and make it a part of my life because the battle remains in the mind. Four times he tells us in three verses, if you don't get it, you're gonna fail. This is so obvious. He's given us the secret. The battle is in the mind. You want to overcome sin. Take the sin that so easily overcomes you in your life and you supersede that with that which is good and you make this your meditation. Let's pray. Lord, I thank and I praise you for your mercies and your grace because you are so good. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Father, I thank you so much for your word because you have revealed to us that the battle is in the mind and we are to take these things captive to the obedience of Christ. Lord, I pray for these young people that they would learn to do battle by superseding the things of the flesh, the things that are good and honorable, righteous and upright, if there be anything worthy of praise that they would dwell on those things. Father, I pray that what they have learned today they would not forget because you have told us over and over again this is on life's exam. This is on the exam before us. We'd better learn this one. Lord, thank you for your word, for revealing these to us. And Lord, I pray for the unbelievers here because they have no ability to overcome. They're utterly lost without the new nature. And Father, I pray for their salvation, that even this very day, they would say, Lord, forgive me for my sins and come into my life. Lord, I pray that there would be salvations this day for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.